can't believe you're still angry at your mother. Do you know how much those 45 RPM records would be worth today? Yeah, zero. Because they'd be sitting in the garage with your Lionel Electric Trains, your Elvis Presley guitar, and your Howdy Doody marionette. That's absolutely not true. The garage is too damp. I'd put them under the bed. Then tell me, what would you do with your Superman suit? Well, if we had more closet space... From Hollywood, it's out of my mind. I'm Jay Douglas, your purveyor of record for little-known stories about well-known stuff. And in episode 48, singer-songwriter Barry Mann asked the question, who put the bump and the bump, the bump, the bump back in 1961? It was a song that topped out at number seven on the Billboard charts and sold tens of thousands of 45 RPM records. You know, the ones with the big hole in the middle. Why the big hole? That's the question Barry Mann should have asked. At least... I can answer that one. It begins with the quest to find a replacement for the 78 RPM record. It involves a love-hate relationship, mostly hate, between General David Sarnoff, head of RCA, and William Paley, the captain of CBS. 78, as they were called, suffered from just about every disease a record could contract. They could hold only a few minutes of music on a side, so you practically had to stand over the record player if you wanted any kind of continuous entertainment. They sounded like a hat pin being scraped across a lump of solidified shellac, which pretty much describes what was happening. And they broke if you looked at them the wrong way, which meant with your eyes open. Sarnoff and Paley each wanted to be the first to replace 78s, which gave rise to a bare-knuckle marketing brawl as the two men mixed it up in Midtown Manhattan. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner... Mr. William L.P. Paley and his long playing record with CBS's Microgroove Technology. Paley's LP sounded infinitely better than a 78, but so did a little old lady grinding the gears in her 1934 Chrysler. What caught people's ears was the ability to listen to 20 to 30 minutes of music without having to change records. Round one went to Paley. In this corner, General David, you should have your choice, Sarnoff! Sarnoff denigrated LPs because listeners couldn't choose the order of the music. And that's where rock and roll entered the ring. The search for a 78 replacement, which began in the 1930s, ran headlong into the rock and roll era. And RCA's 78 replacement, the 45 RPM record, was made for that kind of music. 45s were light, they were compact, they were durable, and they were affordable. And not only that, they were hip and quirky, like the music that was in their grooves. What RCA had was a record made for parties and sock hops. You put stacks of wax on the phallic-looking spindle and danced for hours. From the sound right down to the look of the records. This wasn't their parents' music anymore. Round two to Sarnoff. And rounds three, four, and five as well. Sarnoff decided on the large hole because once you had a 45 RPM record player you couldn't play any of Paley's LPs. Then, Sarnoff mailed 45s to radio stations, and he offered to upgrade their equipment if the stations played the records on the air. Once radio etched the sound of 45s into the ears of teenagers, Sarnoff had a reliable market for his product. Thinking he had Paley on the ropes, Sarnoff offered him the chance to manufacture 45s if CBS would agree to make those records a standard. Paley's response was, hmm... Let's say you, you won't hear it on the radio. 45s faded from the scene, leaving Paley to savor the ultimate victory. 
But if you think those A-side rock and roll hits would have spread around the world as quickly as they did without Sarnoff's humble 45 RPM record, you just don't know the whole story. And that's the story I call On the Record. My thanks to Steve Probst, record collector, former disc jockey, and co-author of the book 45 RPM, the history, heroes, and villains of a pop music revolution, for his invaluable help with this story. Thanks, Steve. And thanks to my wife for, deep down, supporting my memorabilia investments. I know she does. Our summer subscription drive is charging ahead. If you're not yet a subscriber, visit iTunes or Google Music on your smartphone, search podcasts for Out of My Mind, and subscribe. And get your friends and family to subscribe as well. While you're doing that, I'll be putting the finishing touches on another little-known story about well-known stuff, which I'll unveil next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern. We'll chat then. I'm Jay Douglas. Out of My Mind is produced by Penny Summers and is a copyrighted feature of the Theater of Your Mind Incorporated, Hollywood, California.